thinking, I have no earthly idea what to do right now. Everybody move along. Right? And so I'm in the middle of Little Rock. I don't know anybody in Little Rock. So I call Wes, and I say, Wes, he goes, what happened? I said, this is what happened. He said, oh, it could be your alternator. It might be this, that, and the other thing. Where are you? Like, you know, I'm right down here. I'll come get you. I'm in Little Rock. He goes, oh, I can't help you. (laughs) It's getting real now. I'm trying to get to Texas. I'm going somewhere. In my head, I'm going, it's Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. I don't even know what's wrong. And those of you that know me know, I don't even know what's wrong, (laughs) you know. Wes like, why go? I go, attorney the thingy at no goey, you know. We would have helped you. Thank you. Well, too far away. So, so here's what happens. Here's what happens. I'm there maybe a minute and a half, and this truck pulls over the bridge and turns down and stops. I mean, we, we get out of the car, and this guy pulls over and stops maybe 50 yards away, comes running across the road, black gentleman, just comes running over the road to me. He says, pop your hood. I throw the hood. I knew to do that, so I throw the hood up. I know where that button is, right? And so he's looking, and, and about the same time a vehicle pulls up behind me, an expedition, and this guy gets out, black gentleman gets out in a three-piece suit. Obviously, he's just come from church. And, and he's getting out, and he comes over to the side, and they start talking, and they said, okay, it's the battery, it's probably the alternator, and it's this, that, and the other thing. And they're talking to each other like I'm not there, you know? And, and they go, okay, this, that, and the other. And then the, and then the first gentleman in the white truck looks at me and goes, you must be doing something right. I said, what do you mean? He said, let me tell you what my job is. I said, what's your job? He said, you see that truck over there? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm the battery car salesman for all the local car dealerships. <laughs> I said, really? I thought he was bragging. I didn't know. And, and, and he goes, let's get your car over here. And so we pushed the car down the hill a little bit, just barely over the edge, and Trish coasted it down. He opens the trunk of his car, and there's like 40 car batteries in the back of his car, (laughs) brand new. And the other guy that's behind me, well, he works part-time as a mechanic for fun. And he goes, ah, it's your alternator, this, that, and the other thing. He said, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to put a battery on. We're going to drive over to AutoZone. It's a little over a mile away. He goes, I'm going to change your alternator for you. I mean, this is all like going on, Right? And so they pop that on. We drive over to AutoZone. The other guy goes home to change his clothes because he lived just right around the corner. And he comes out, and he's changing the alternator. We do the battery. And I forgot to mention this first service. I go into AutoZone. I don't know anybody, and I'm doing all this. And the guy goes, I'm just going to give you 10% off. He didn't know anything going on. So this guy's putting this on and the other. We get done. We're all standing there. I'm amazed, y'all. It's like NASCAR. (laughs) You know? First gentleman named Wayne. You're going to meet Wayne because we invited him to come up to the house. But here's what Wayne does. Wayne looks at me and said, Wayne, what I owe you? I'd have given him anything at that point. He said, it's free. He said, but pastor, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your people. <laughs> he said, tell your people Little Rock's not all that bad. <laughs> and he said, tell them something else for me. Tell them we're taking back our city one person at a time. The other guy that fixed the alternator, (laughs) his wife gets out of the car. She said, I was just telling my husband when we pulled up behind you about giving more to church and doing more things for people and said, there y'all were. And it was just a blessing. That's the way the body of Christ works. And I want you to just think for a second. From the beginning of time, God had planned for that moment, for that man to be right there on that bridge to give me a battery and another guy to pull up behind me and help me change the alternator because I was stuck. And it's the same way for you in life. You're going to encounter situations you don't know what to do. But if you're a child of God, he's already working on your solution. Your job is to be faithful. You don't have to have all the answers. You have to be faithful. And you trust God to do what you can't do. You understand me? This is real. This is real. And I watch God do a miracle. And he wants to do a miracle in your life. But you have to position yourself by being his child. I didn't do anything but pull the car off the road. And God took care of the rest. Amen? If you got your Bibles, hold them up. 
Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't walk away with anything else today, you can walk away with that. That is a fact. What could I have done? Got on the phone and called somebody two and a half hours away? But God knew. And he knows your situation right now. And he's already preparing your solution. Just be faithful. That's your call. Just be faithful. We're going to talk today about a shattered heart. There's a difference between a broken heart and a shattered heart. As an example, my alternator was broken, wasn't it? It was broken. And so what you do with broken alternators is you take the broken one out and you put a good one in. Simple process. It's broken. It's all right there. Broken. Shattered is a little bit different. How many of you have ever dropped a piece of glass on the ground? And it breaks into a million pieces and you're going, I have no, there's no way. Shattered glass everywhere and you're looking at big pieces and little pieces and pieces you can't even see. And they're scattered everywhere. And usually the only thing we do with shattered glass is we rake it up and throw it in the trash can. Because we look at it and go, it's impossible to fix this. It's impossible when we look at shattered, broken eye, broken leg. Yeah, you put both. Yeah, I get that. I see that. But shattered, ah, shattered. Look at your Bibles. Look at what Psalm 147 verse 3 says. He, God, heals the brokenhearted. He heals the shattered. God does that. He heals the brokenhearted, I love this, and binds up their wounds. He dresses our wounds. That's what God does. Jesus gave us his job description in the New Testament. He said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. That's what he does. But let me just tell you something. As we get started today, let me just break this to you. What if... I would have been on the side of the road, as you guys know, zero, zero mechanical ability. I do good to get gas in the right hole. (laughs) What if the battery guy had come over and the mechanic had come over and they said, here we are, what do you need us to do? And I said, no worries, I've got it. How dumb is that? Some of y'all are doing the same thing to God. God's going, your, your heart's shattered. And I fix these. It's what I do. It's my job. I'm the best in the world. It's what I, every day I get up and I fix broken hearts. You know, it's, he doesn't sleep, but you know what I mean? And you look at him and go, no, no, I got it. Today, you're going to stop doing that. Today is the day that you allow God to do what he does and fix the shattered heart in your life. To replace your shattered heart with a new heart because that's what he says he will do. But you have to let him do the work. The only person that can keep you from getting healed is you. And God's not going to force you down. How many of you have ever had, tried to hold a child down and give them a shot when they didn't understand what was going on? How fun is that? I just want to beat them until they, you know, and then, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. But you could try that. I mean, it's completely up to you. But no, you just want to stand still. You're sick. I'm trying to help you. And they don't understand. And so they're squirming and they're doing everything. And you can't help them because they're moving too much. They're fighting you. Some of you are fighting God. You got to stop. You got to stop. I've got some guests coming up. Let's, let's welcome Ed and Barb. Come on up here this morning. So glad to have them. Uh, Ed and Barb were actually going to speak last week, and they weren't able to do it because Barb wasn't feeling well. So Shane and Alana shared. And uh, this is their week. This is their week. Y'all come on and sit down. 
Glad you guys are here. We talked about, you know, we're talking about a shattered heart. And actually, Barb, like you and I were kind of talking about this morning a little bit. What you get de- guys dealt with was more about something being shattered than it really was about it being broken. Let's talk a little bit about kind of what you got, what you brought into your relationship that, that showed some of that shattered. I love to talk with my hands. So I That's, <laughs> yeah, if I grab your hands, you're mute, right? I get it. Okay. I'm like that too. So can everybody hear me? Um, I just want to say, first of all, this is the love of my life. And we may have to share some things that will shock you just a little bit, maybe. But I just want you to know that he's everything that God intended for him to be for me. And, you know, sometimes marriages aren't about how we compete, but it's how we complete each other. And God uses that. And so um, I came into our marriage with a shattered heart. I grew up in a good home. My parents were good people. They were very hardworking people. My dad was very much respected in the community. He did a lot to improve the community. But there were some things going on behind closed doors at home that really shattered my heart. My daddy had a temper problem. He had a real anger. I want to be quick to say both in my husband and in my dad, there was never any physical abuse It was verbal abuse, and it was violent. Um, When I was just 10, um, I was taking care of my little sister. And Daddy, I could never understand what was upsetting him. My mom was a very sweet, gentle uh, person, and it wasn't like she was doing something. It's just like something just started going off in my dad, and he would just get so violent, Pastor. And so um, my normal routine at 10... I had my little baby sister was just four. And so when daddy would come home and these explosions would start and he'd just start screaming so violently at my mom, I would take my little sister and we'd run to the bedroom and I'd cover her up with the covers and I'd sing just as loud as I could sing and I'd put my hands on her ears to protect her. And all the while I was getting more shattered and more shattered. And so at 16 I went to live with my aunt But even God used that because if I hadn't moved to live with my aunt when I was 16 to get away from all this, I would never met this guy because he was living in Illinois. So I'm so grateful. (laughs) So when I was 18, um, this guy just swept me off my feet. I fell head over heels. Went into the marriage without my family's blessing. I had had a college scholarship waiting for me. And I had fallen so in love, I just didn't make it to college. I chose to marry my husband. My family did not support it. They were not at our wedding. And so I entered into the marriage with all of that hurt and all of that pain. Eddie didn't know anything about it. And I didn't know his heart was shattered either. But when we were dating... Oh, he was the most fun-loving, just like y'all know him. He had that Santa Claus joy, and he was just, oh, so fun to be around. And I was looking for somebody to fix that shattered place in me. I was looking for somebody to fill that hole that only God can fill. And I thought he was the answer. And I went into the marriage just thinking I had found the guy that was going to make me smile for the rest of my life. And about the third week of our marriage... My parents and family had bought us a stereo. They didn't honor our wedding or come to our wedding, but they had sent us this little stereo. And I came home and came in the door from work, and there was Ed on the floor, and the stereo was in a million pieces. It was shattered. The stereo was really shattered all over the living room floor. I didn't know he had this gift to fix things. So I, I jumped to some conclusions, and I started crying and carrying on. I said, you've broken my family. What are you doing? It was the only connection I had with my family, and I, didn't, I thought he had destroyed it. And so I got pretty hysterical. He got up from the floor. He doesn't remember it quite like I do, but he had a little screwdriver in his hand. And he started coming toward me with this rage in his eyes. And I thought, and I, he backed me up to the refrigerator. And I really thought I was dead. I thought I was, and I had never seen it. And suddenly, all those memories of my daddy came flooding back. 
Well, he didn't use the screwdriver. He just turned around with a big old fist. He was a big buck guy that those days, and boy, his hand went right through our front door. And But it put such a fear in me, Pastor, such a fear. And so these things just escalated through the years. There was just one thing after another, and I was still looking to fill that hole, to fill those broken places that were shattered in me. And I thought, oh, if I could just get pregnant and have a child, that would do it. That would do it. And God blessed us with a wonderful son, Jason. But one of the things I want to mention that when you don't allow God to correct and heal those shattered places, you're going to look for something to take the pain away. And in my case, in the example I set before my son, I turned to food. Some of us turned to drugs, some alcohol, some whatever, spending money. But I turned to food, and Eddie will tell you, it was a difficult thing for him to watch. I gained 150 pounds in the first 10 years of our marriage. But I was always trying to put out that pain, always so desperate to make the hurt go away. And so life went on, and the sad thing about it was that Jason was now seeing this pattern. He was experiencing the same thing I had as a child, not understanding why his dad, Eddie, would just get so mad for no reason. I mean, it would just, this violent thing would come on, and I think he would tell you, He doesn't even know why it came on like it did. We learned later why. But anyway, um, there was another occasion. Eddie always assured me. He said, honey, I got a hot temper. And he said, but I'll never hit you. A man doesn't hit a woman. So I felt pretty safe with that. But Jason was a boy. And when he got a little bit older, this temper started going out on Jason. And there was a time that this time Eddie had a hammer in his hand. And I thought, I was in the kitchen, and Eddie was just going right in with his rage, with his hammer in his hand towards Jason. And I ran, and I put myself between, the, between Jason and Eddie, and that fear just got bigger and bigger that one of these days, Eddie was going to lose it and really hurt somebody. And we would go out in public, and I always was in fear that that temper was going to come out, and it did. Um, you know, and it, it just got worse and worse and worse until we were down um, in Florida working. And I want you all to know we're going to celebrate our 45th anniversary this year, but this was, we had been married 35 years, and this was still going on. Eddie was born again. We were active in church, and these things were still going on behind closed doors. And the thing of it is, with all the bad eating habits and all this broken, never allowing God to heal, it started to manifest physically, and I suffered a pulmonary embolism. Thank God, only 80%, only 20% of people survive that. 80% die instantly, but I didn't. But that night, I actually got angry at God. And I was crying to him, why didn't you let me be one of the twenty, one of the 80%? Why did you let me live? I thought I was really going get to get out of this broken heart, this so, shattered. So what you're saying is you'd rather died yes, than stayed in the relationship. Because I didn't know how to fix it. I had tried. I thought if I forgave Eddie enough times and I loved him enough times, just like my mama had my daddy, that it would get better. It would get better. But it didn't. No. And I, I brought a little scripture. This is how I felt. This is from Job. It's in Job 19, 1 through 3. How long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? These ten times you have cast reproach upon me. Are you not ashamed to wrong me? And I would try to be so good, and I tried to do everything right, and I'd say, Eddie, don't you understand how bad you're hurting me and Jason? And he would always come back with the answer, you know where the door is, it's just my personality, if you don't like it, leave. But I didn't want to leave, I loved him so much. But that night, at my very worst physical place and emotional place, God woke me up in the middle of the night, he said, Will you let me correct your husband? And I thought about that for a minute. And I thought, oh, 
because I didn't have that stable relationship with my own father, I said, oh, if you correct, that means punishment. That means bad stuff. And I'm sorry to tell y'all, I couldn't say yes. I just couldn't say yes. So it kept going on and going on, and then finally it manifested in cancer. We had to come back home to treat it here in Arkansas. We left Florida and came back here. Yeah, we first went to Kansas, then we came here. But during my chemo, and it took a lot to get up, I was sick. But I said, I'm desperate to get to church. I'm just desperate. I just need a good word. I just need a good word. If I could just get a good word. So we went, and lo and behold, that day, the pastor was preaching on forgiveness. I was so mad. I said, God... You know I understand about forgiveness. You know I forgive Eddie over and over. I've forgiven everybody. Why on earth? I want a good word. (laughs) But as the pastor went on and preached that day, he said something that changed my life forever. He said, you know, forgiving somebody isn't enough. And I thought, it's not enough. He said, you have to pray for God to correct them. You have to bless them. And ask God to correct him. Because he said, if you don't, it's like having a foot in the doorway of your life, letting the enemy come and go. Well, that day, one year later, you know, God says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I took that step. I took that step. And I draw near to him. And I said, God, whatever it takes, I can't fix it. But you can. You correct it. I'm giving you permission to correct my husband. Okay. You to add to Go that? ahead, Ed. I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a man, isn't it? Yep. And I'm, it's like Pastor said. I didn't need to know how God was going to do it. I just needed to know that he would. And guys, he may or may not choose to tell you how God did it, but it was amazing. Well, let's do that. Ed, why don't you tell us, Barb's had to go through all this, <laughs> right? right? Tell us how God corrected you, how he got you back on the right track. Out middle of the team. Oh, how it works. First started. That's fine. Okay. Uh, I was kind of an angry guy, and uh, I kind of lost a lot in my life as younger. I uh, lost my business. I lost everything and uh, wasn't in the plan. And uh, when that happened, I just got angry at God. And I told him, uh, leave me alone and I'll leave him alone. And that's basically what I did. And I'm a born-again believer. Do when Jesus you did that. Is my when Savior. you did that. Yes. When I did that. I just told him, bug out. And, uh, and I just kept getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And uh, really wasn't as much at her because I decided just to alienate myself and uh, do nothing but work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and uh, virtually run on no sleep. And it worked for me. And uh, we got to a point to where her mom and dad retired and they moved uh, down here to Arkansas. Uh, Cherokee Village, if anybody knows where that's at. And uh, I was the meanest and the baddest. And uh, so they elected And I'm going to stop you here. Now, now, to give you guys an idea, when somebody says I was the meanest and I was the baddest, um, Ed walked on to one day a drilling rig with, with a bunch of roughnecks. And if you've ever been around those guys... Pretty tough guys. How many of them were there, Ed? Seven. seven. There were seven guys on this crew, and Ed got upset and whooped all seven of them at the same time. That's not bragging. What does that do when you bring that home? That's the kind of rage day in and day out that he was carrying around on the inside of him. Okay? So what did God do, Ed? Well, I carried that around for five years. And... uh, so we got nominated to come down and see where to put uh, her mom and dad in a nursing home or a crazy house <laughs> for moving to Arkansas. 
pointy hats with a corncob pipe, you know, and the feathers sticking out. And uh, when we got down here, there wasn't not much here. Uh, houses, but not a whole lot everywhere. And they were in the process of building a new house. And, and they, they showed us a piece of dirt and showed us that this is where they were going to live. So I had my mind made up that they were nuts. But anyway, uh, we, we went and got a cabin back then out on many islands and stayed out there. And uh, while we were out there, Barb, she, uh, she's a fisherman. She loves to fish. And uh, this guy out there and got to, took up a conversation with her, and they got to threading hooks and fishing uh, for trout. And in the meantime, I just got up and do my own thing by myself. And I walked uh, up the river or down the river and uh, got to a set of rapids about a half mile away from many islands. Anybody knows that set of rapids, uh, you know, north many islands. And I sat down there in the weeds watching the water. And uh, all of a sudden, God says, what are you about done? Are you angry enough to quit? You done? And I said, Huh? And he said, are you done? And uh, I looked around, and I said, and he said, you've been trying to kill yourself for five years, and uh, I'm not letting it happen, have I? And I said, no, sir. And he said, well, are you done running? Are you ready to come back? And I said, yes, sir. So that was the beginning of my turnaround with the Lord, right there on the river, right there, Spring River. Great place. About... Barb, how long was that after you prayed and let God begin to work well, that on was, you? That was before. That was before that. Okay. That, uh, that was just the beginning of uh, us just trying to get back and just be good to each other. And, and uh, Yeah, well, when, when we got back, she got the camp. Well, well, that was after that. This is, we were still at the restaurant. We bought the restaurant. We come down and bought the restaurant. And... Uh, after we left here, that's when that happened. We went down and, and spent uh, four good years at Brownsville uh, down there at the Revival. And, of course, that worked on me quite a bit down there. And, and uh, we were starting to get <clears throat> set free of a lot of stuff. And uh, that really was the beginning of getting everything out of our system. I mean, uh, getting the demons out and getting released and gone. Yeah. And... Uh, and that's uh, about the time, that's when she had the pulmonary, it was down there in Florida. Uh, but we didn't know about the cancer until uh, moved to uh, Kansas. And uh, that's when we found out about the cancer, and then we brought her home to back down here to get the treatments and everything. And when we did, well, uh, at that time, I was unemployed now. So then I went and got my trucker's degree and went to trucking. And... Uh, that's when I, it really, she asked for me to be corrected about that time. She picked a time when she's on radiation and chemo, and, and uh, I understood that I didn't want her to leave me. I wanted her. And uh, so she asked the Lord to correct me. So best way to do that was he put me with a partner in that truck that really knew how to correct me. Uh, he could yell really loud. And... Uh, I thought I was angry, but I was just a pup compared to him. He had he had worse troubles than I had. He had a son that uh, he know uh, got murdered, but they wrote it off as a suicide and and uh, other things in his life, and that just all just made him kind of really angry. So every time I'd mess up, uh, I'd get yelled at really bad, and I just gritted my teeth because I needed a job. So I took it, and that's when I realized, uh-huh, this is what's been going on with my wife and my son, is I've been doing the same thing that this guy was doing to me, and they were gritting their teeth and taking it, and that was not a good thing. Amen. Amen. So now she's gonna take the <laughs> he came back um, off. He was gone like 21 days at a time, but I just want to make sure you all understand that when I opened my heart and trusted God enough to correct him, God opened my heart and let him start doing a work in me. And piece by piece by piece, all those shattered pieces, from the time I was five years old, 
he showed me and he loved me and he gave me all the love that I couldn't get from my daddy or my husband because I was afraid of him. I just want to drive home the point so clearly today. Don't be afraid of God's correcting. It's not anything like what you think it is. He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly all the empty places, and he wants to fill them so much. And I do want to say briefly that the buck's got to stop. It's got to stop with you because I wanted to say to you, because Jason grew up with all that, remember when I said Eddie didn't do anything physically violent? By the time it passed to Jason, while he was going to trucking school, I had time with my daughter-in-law. And one day I walked into her office, and she had a scarf wrapped around her neck, and it was a warm summer day. And I couldn't figure out. I thought, well, is her throat sore or what? And so I asked her, and she put her head down and started crying. She took the scarf off. My son had nearly strangled her to death that night before. So I want you to understand this isn't just about us. It's about our children. And God wants to break the cycle. I don't care if it's, your, yes, and the curse. He, I don't care if it's your finances. I don't care if it's your health. Whatever's broken, if you'll cry out to him, if you'll take that first step to cry out to him, he will respond. Amen. And you need not be afraid. Amen. All right, let's give God praise. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did you want to say something else, Santa Claus? Yeah. We've come a long way. And uh, it's all been God, nobody else. Just strictly God. And we had a lot of people help us. Uh, we got set free, delivered about everything you could imagine. And we're standing here free, clean and ready to go. And just... Uh, just to prove a point, uh, we didn't get to do this first service because uh, <laughs> evidently my blood sugar dropped, and my, my blood pressure dropped, and I passed out before we could take up the offering this morning, so I didn't get to do this. But I can say this right now, that when I went down, I thought, you know, if this is my last, I, well, Lord, give me this. So if this would have been your last breath, You'd have stood before me serving God. Amen. I don't want to leave any negative on the, on the table. I want you to know that when we stopped complaining to God what was wrong with Jason and started just listening to God, God said, don't even pray for your son until you learn how to thank me for him again. And Eddie and I had to radically change in that. And we started praising God and thanking God for Jason. And instead of picking on all the things that were wrong with him, we just began to say blessings over him. Jason, this past two years, has lost 200 pounds. And Eddie's lost 60. I've lost that much or more. But I, want you to, I just want you to know that when we take care of the inside things, the physical Amen. gets blessed as well. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Question. Come help him, Brian. Got it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Preston. Thank you, Bill. You're right on time, Preston. Good job. <laughs> I wasn't clear. I apologize for that. Wow. So it's not a game, is it? You've already seen two times this morning that God is still moving. Last week and just the little thing he did for us. This and a family that's been dealing with dysfunction for years. God wants to help you. But there's a part that you have to play in this. And I'm going to summarize this up for you today. If you've got your notes, look at them real quick. Look at number one. Here's the way God will heal your shattered heart. And it's going to be different than you think. So just track with me here real quick. Number one, you have to do what Barb did. You have to decide to surrender to God's authority. You have to decide to surrender to God's authority. You can't figure this out. So what you have to do is submit to God's way of doing things. Let me rephrase it this way. You have to agree with God. 
See, what Barb was doing was she was trying to figure out herself, and God's saying, I need to correct Eddie. And, and she's saying, no, 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 God, I don't want you to do that. That's not what he needs. She had to realize that God's smarter than her. But the real issue is trust. We have to trust God. We have to submit to God. James 4, 7 says this, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You have to surrender to him. Some of you guys, control freaks, let me see your hands. You have to give God the keys. And that's a trust issue. Okay? Number two, you have to confess and let go of sin in your life. You're like, wait a minute, my heart's broken. And you're telling me that if I want to have my heart fixed, I have to confess sin? But what about them? Barb's going, Ed's hurting my feelings, but God's working on her heart. And that's the way God works, folks. We're thinking it's other people and God's looking at us. Do you understand? And so God's process is always about working on you. So you have to agree with God and then allow him to confess that sin and get that out of your, your life. Why? So God can work on your heart. James 4.8 says this, come near to God. Barb just said that. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Guys, the Bible's not written accidentally. What that says is you have to draw near to him. And as you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And many of us say, well, God fixed my heart. And God's saying, come. And we're going, well, I'm waiting on you, Jesus. And he's going, come to me. Come to me. And what happens is if we begin to move towards him, we begin to agree with him, submit to him, and be obe- out of obedience, he'll begin to work on our lives. So here's what I want you to see as you're seeing this pattern here. It's, it's on you. Jesus has done the work, but you have to show up. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say you have a heart issue. The greatest heart surgeon in the world is over in Jonesboro. And you realize that if you go to him, he can heal your problem. He's an expert. He's world-renowned, the best in the world. He's in Jonesboro. You've got a car sitting in the garage with a full tank of gas. Yours works. <laughs> Track with me. Doctor says, I can see you tomorrow morning, first thing. We can heal you on the spot. I've got the cure right here. If you don't drive over there, you're not going to get healed. say well that's crazy who wouldn't do that who wouldn't go he's made an appointment for me he's waiting on me cars in the garage I've even got somebody to drive me I can get over there but if you don't go you're not going to get healed and right now that's how we do in life we sit back in our lazy boy our spiritual lazy boy and say here I am Jesus pour it on me and he's like it doesn't work that way He does the work, but you have to cooperate with him, which requires you to submit to his way of doing things. Some of you would say, Pastor, my life's not being blessed. There's issues in my life I can't seem to get over, and it's because you're not cooperating with God. And I don't even have to know the exact things of your situation. But it's the same for every situation that we face. Regardless of what the heart issue is, God has a solution, but you have to cooperate with him. Do you understand me? Guys, this is truth. This is just truth, okay? Let's go on to the next point. You're not going to understand why this one's here. Don't slander or gossip. Hold your tongue. What? How does, what does that have to do with my heart being healed? That doesn't make sense to me at all. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Let's say Marshall right now. Let's just say Marshall got up and walked out. And he had some weird look on his face. Now, y'all can't see that. I'm the only one that can see it. But let's just say he did that. He just got up and just walked out. And I was offended. And I went. And I walked over to Sue and I said, Sue, did you see Marshall? He did, No, I didn't see. Well, he just got up and walked out. Hold out your hand. And let's just say I have a seed. Pretend I have a seed in my hand. And I said, did you see him? No, I didn't see him. Well, can you believe he did that? Just hold that. 
and say, no, I can't believe he did that. Can you believe it, Kenny? I can't believe it. And I just went around and I started, what? Planting seeds. And then I, and then I look at you and say, I'm going to have to talk with him. I think you should. So, so after service, I go talk to Marshall. I say, Marshall, why did you get up and walk out? What, what was wrong? Why did you do that? Marshall said, man, I, I got a text that, that there'd been a, an emergency outside and they needed my help. And I went out there and I was able to help the people. And now they're okay and everything's good. And I go, well, that makes perfect sense. Marshall, great job. High five. Good job. And then I go about my life. What's the problem? All those seeds. Now, Kenny's mad. Sue's mad. Trisha's mad. But it's not just them. What have they done? Pretty soon, half the congregation's mad. Marshall walks in. Everybody's going, Truth. Sometimes you keep your healing from happening because you run your mouth. And you say, Pastor, how's that have to do with my heart? It has everything to do with your heart. Because you plant bad crops and all of a sudden you've got bad crops popping up all over the place. And it's because you run your mouth. And what you need to do is you need to go to the Father. Because, see, no one can change anybody's heart except God. And don't slander yourself. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. That's true, too. Look at James 4, verse 11. Listen. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. That's pretty clear. Anybody, anybody need interpretation of that? Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them and speaks against the law and judges it. In other words, you're putting yourself in God's position. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. Let's go to the fourth point. This is for your healing, by the way. It's for your healing. Give grace instead of judgment. Give grace instead of judgment. And I'll put this note underneath that point. God always desires mercy instead of judgment. Here's the point. How many of you want mercy in your life? How many of you have a list of people you'd like God to squash? (laughs) Just truth, right? God, you don't know what they did. Yeah, he does. That's dumb. (laughs) You think you might be on somebody else's list? Yeah, everybody's going, don't look at pastor right now. Don't, don't. (laughs) See how the kingdom works? You want mercy, give mercy. You want forgiveness, why Jesus say, I can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. You're healing. The key to your brokenness is in your hand. The key to your brokenness is in your hand. Trust the Lord to examine the heart and motives of other people. You don't know what somebody's dealing with, folks. You don't know the brokenness that Barb's dealing with because of her past. And you don't know the brokenness others around you are dealing with. You be the extension of God's grace and mercy to other people. Why? Because you want that same kind of grace in your life. And you need to be his hand extended. Amen? I'll tell you about this and I'm going to close. This is the third one. It's the real one. The Japanese have a very interesting thing that they do. The Japanese culture and they, they take broken pottery and they recreate it. And, and they take this pottery that falls down and instead of throwing it away, this, this pottery, instead of throwing it away, they take this uh, process, it's called kintsugi. Kintsugi. And what they do with kintsugi is they take these broken pieces and, and a potter takes them and puts them back together. But instead of taking like we would Gorilla Glue or something, you know what they do to piece it back together? They use precious metal. They'll take gold or platinum or silver and they take these broken pieces and they stick them back together and they line those broken pieces with gold. 
What they've done is they've taken that piece of pottery and made it more valuable than it was before. What before was just a regular old piece of pottery now is precious. It's something that has more value than it did before. What's happened over the years is these pottery collectors have actually been accused of taking whole pieces of pottery and throwing them on the ground so somebody would fix them with gold because they realize the value increases when they're broken and made whole. And that's exactly what God does in our lives. It's exactly what he does. When you come to him with your brokenness, he takes those pieces and he puts them back together. But the gold that puts them back together is his sacrifice, his blood. And now it's precious. And God can take Ed and Barb and put them up on a shelf and say, look at that. Look at that. Nobody gave them a chance. But look what I've done. And God does the same thing in your life. And here's the side benefit of that. When you give God your brokenness, when you take him your life, the pieces of your life, and allow him to begin to put it together, he uses your brokenness to help other people. Because people can look at Ed and Barb and they can go, well, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. And now your life becomes this beautiful piece of artwork of God making a masterpiece. Do you know the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece? We're his masterpiece. We're a work of art. That's the truth. So here's the thing. Are you willing to come to him and surrender? Are you willing to trust him? with the broken areas of your life? Are you willing to submit to God's process and do things his way? Because the life that you always wanted, the husband you always dreamed of was there, but God had to do his work. And some of you need to do that. Some of you look at your own life and realize I'm broken. I need God to help me. That's good. Some of you look at others in your, in your sphere of influence, maybe in your family, work, school, wherever, and they're broken. And you realize they need God's help too. And you pray for them. You pray for them and love them. Don't try to fix them, you'll mess it up. And when you become that peace, then God begins to pour himself into your cup and pour you out on other people and changes everything. Understand? That's the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you Thank you that you fix broken lives. Thank you that you fix broken pieces. Jesus, your job description says you came to heal the brokenhearted. You came to put us back together again. And so, Lord, I just ask you now in Jesus' name that we would submit to you, Holy Spirit, that we would just lay everything down and allow you to do the work in our lives, that we would just allow you to heal us. Every head bowed, eye closed. I don't want anybody looking around. You need to understand right now, this is a very personal moment. You don't have to have it all figured out, guys. You just have to trust him. Say, Jesus, you're the master heart surgeon. Heal my heart. Here I am. If you're here in the holiness of this moment and you realize you need to do that, You need to just surrender your life to him. Submit your life to him. Allow him to work. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, it's me. Amen. Man, hands all over the room. Wow. Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's a very brave thing. That's the right thing. I want us to all do this together as an act of faith because I know each one of us is in a place in our lives where we realize we need to surrender things to the Lord. Where you are, Nobody moving around where you are. Just take a moment. Let's just be honest with God. Lord, you know my brokenness. Lord, you know my brokenness. In this moment, Lord, I ask you, heal me. Fix my broken heart. In 
Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you something. If you prayed that right then and you meant that, God wants to do that work in your life. But there's another step, and it's a lifelong step. Jesus wants to heal us, but now he wants to disciple us. He wants to make us those kind of people. And I want to tell you, I don't know a better church than this one for that. That we will walk with you through life and we want to help you become the person that God wants you to be and teach you who you are in Christ and go through that process because it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong journey. And you've got to be surrendered to that and allow God to do His work. This year we're going to be doing more of that. We want to see you become the people that God wants you to be. Surrender to His process. Amen. So I'll stand this morning. God is good all the time. Grab your neighbor's hand. Lord, you've called us to be your hands and feet. But you love people through our hearts. And so, Father, I ask you today to create in us a clean heart, God. Give us a new heart like you said you would in your word. Mold us and make us into the people that we never dreamed we could be, but you always knew we could be. Make us husbands that are wonderful and wives that are gracious and loving and grandparents and friends. And make us, Lord, all those things that we just never dreamed we could be. But as we submit our lives to you, you create in us that kind of heart. I ask these, Lord, in Jesus' holy name, And all of God's people said, amen. And you know what amen means? So be it. So be it. God bless you as you go. Have a great day. We'll see you Wednesday night.